You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Title of my message tonight, I'm going to try, I never have any notes, so just so you know, I have no notes because I'm trying not to preach. The problem with being a preacher is you always have something to preach about. So you just look at the text and stuff jumps out. It's tempting. There's all these little white rabbits that keep saying, chase me, chase me. And I just, I do want to honor uh, uh, Jose Rubalcaba, who uh, I honestly believe is one of the most remarkable humans walking planet Earth. It's true. It's true. I was in, I was in Seattle. Seattle. I'm, I'm up at a church, preaching at a church that when, when I finished Bible college, this man, his church was like the most influential church. He literally reshaped uh, the way we do ministry in Australia and New Zealand. And, uh, and then all these years later, I get an invitation to preach in that church. Well, I'm on, I'm on the front row in that church. I'm looking at the screen. I'm looking at all the, the LED lighting and the LED lighting in, the, in the, the stairs. And I'm like, man, we need to have that at home. And so I took a video and I sent it to Jose and some of the guys. Well, then the guy, they introduced me to the guy who set it all up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we, we go with, um, you know, with Jose Rubalcaba. We bought all the stuff from Jose. And uh, I'm like, man, when did you do that? Oh, a couple of years ago. I'm like, it's taken me 30 years to get here. And Jose already is there before me. <laughs> Golly gee. And uh, you should see him ride ATVs along the these crazy trails, and he is a dangerous man, but he is a fun man. He is an awesome man. He is a beautiful man. You are a gift. He played bass in our second service. Did you know that? Our, our second, he, I think the Tuesday after the Sunday, he was getting on a plane to fly to Arizona to help another guy plant a church, but we didn't have a bass player, and he just filled in, came and played bass, and I think half the sound equipment he donated to us, and you know, what a, what a gift. My life is better because of Jose Rubalcaba. Now I'm in trouble because the truth is my life is better because of all of you. And I just want to give a shout out. I had no idea. I just, I found this in my, in my closet. And I'm like, man, that looks cool. I'm going to put that on. And then I walk in. And then Pastor Mike says to me, you do realize that's the, the Eastlake Pathfinders. And I'm like, yeah, it is. God knew what he was doing. Come on, I've been clothed with righteousness tonight in Jesus' name. All right, you're there, Mark chapter 4. That's enough distraction. Mark chapter 4, verse 31. Mark 4, 31. Now, the title of this message, I already give it to you? No? Okay, the title of this message is New in the Old. New in the Old. Because there's there's quite an influential guy who says, hey, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. And uh, I'm just like, wow, you know, you do realize it's the same God, right? You do realize he doesn't change, right? You do realize he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you have a problem with the old, you may need to go and revisit your theology. All right, so have a look at this. So verse 31, then he, speaking about Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word was with authority. Everyone say authority. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, in the church, in the house of God, in the, in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. 
And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was sick with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. On every one of them and healed them. Why didn't he tell some of them that the sickness was to teach them something? Why would he? And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. For they knew that he was the Christ. You may, you may be thinking, well, why, you know, why wouldn't he let them speak? You know, they knew who he was. It was a confirmation. Because Jesus didn't want to validate or elevate the voice of demons. People that go and get their palms read at a psychic. People that uh, read tarot cards. People that see gypsies and crystal balls and all that kind of stuff. There are spirits behind there that, that know Jesus is the Christ. They even know things about your life. They know things about, because they've been around for long enough, they know generational stuff. They know familiar stuff. But Jesus doesn't want to validate them because he knows that their heart is not for you. Their heart is for your destruction, for your demise. They, they hate you. When, uh, when I was reading this the other day in, in my quiet time, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say that this is what I want you to teach on Wednesday night. Uh, and, and the reason I've cho- chosen the title New in the Old is because Jesus wasn't teaching from a different Torah. The, the word that Jesus was speaking in the church was, was pulling from the same texts. That for thousands of years, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the scribes, the Levites had been teaching from the same Torah. But when Jesus comes with this teaching, the Bible says the people were, were marveling, saying, what, what, what kind of a word is this? Because it comes with authority. It comes with power. I want you to know that the reason it came with authority and it came with power, it wasn't because Jesus was preaching a different word. He was just correctly representing the word. See, the Pharisees up until this time had used the Torah to tell people what they couldn't do. To tell, tell people what they couldn't have, what they couldn't. It was all about the law. It was all about restraint. It was all about restrict. But Jesus comes and says God's, God's word and God's laws bring life. 
God's word and God's laws carry power to bring freedom. They'd never heard that before because they could only see Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments and their failure to keep the Ten Commandments. So their whole preaching was a struggle around the Ten Commandments, which none of us can, can keep. None of us can keep the Ten Commandments. None of us can fulfill the... There's not a, a human being alive who in his strength and his self-control and his discipline and his focus can uh, create perfection, can generate righteousness. The Bible says all have sinned. There are none righteous, no, not one. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross, the, the perfect for the imperfect, because otherwise none of us, he had to atone. But what is so beautiful here is that, that Jesus is teaching a word, but he's not just teaching the word. The Bible says he, that he was the word become flesh. The word has power. The, the word doesn't just have power, it also has authority. It doesn't just have power and authority, but it, ha, it brings a revelation. Jesus here in his teaching brings a revelation of a fourth dimension. His revelation teaches that there is a spirit realm, that there is a spiritual dimension to this life. And that spirit realm has angels and it has demons. These things don't just traverse. These things are often engaged in battle. We read in the book of Daniel that, that, that Daniel was praying and fasting and Gabriel was dispatched from heaven to go and answer Daniel's prayers. But as he was coming into Persia, the kingdom of Persia, where Daniel and the, the, the children of Israel had been taken captive in Babylon, the Bible says the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him for 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia was a demon spirit, was a general in Satan's army, was, was, a, was a principality that, that governed that region. The Bible says, because of the, the iniquity of the land, many are its princes. Because of the iniquity of a land, many are its princes. I don't know why you're so keen on Lisa Dunn, Dr. Lisa Dunn with, you know, CVCU, like Chula Vista Christian University, like we've got other university. Who cares if they teach critical race theory? Who cares if they Because you need to understand, because of the iniquity of a land, many are its princes. Because of the iniquity of a land, many are its princes. And what, what we don't want to do is these princes, these principalities and powers that, that, that feed on are drawn to. Jesus says where the carcass is, there the vultures gather. Wherever there's iniquity and sin, abortion clinics, strip clubs, wherever those, those things are, tarot card readers, that there are demonic princes that occupy those territories and they block the things of God. This demon blocked, well, I thought that, you know, if it was God's will, well, there's a really good book called Push. Because it'll help you to understand that just because something is God's will doesn't mean it's automatic. Okay, I'm getting a few blank stares. Let me help you. Let me help you. How many people know when you read Genesis 1 that it was God's will that there would be light? Okay, the Bible says, God created heavens and the earth, formless void, darkness, covered the face of the deep, Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And poof, there was light. Before God spoke it, He willed it. God never wills something He doesn't speak, and He never speaks something He doesn't will. He's not bipolar, He's not schizophrenic. 
But just because God willed for there to be light didn't make the light appear. For the light to appear, God had to speak. Was it God's will? Yeah, it was God's will before he spoke. But there was no light before he spoke. It was God's will for there to be light. But the light did not come because he willed. The light came because an alignment, an agreement happened between his will and his word. When the word went forth, light came. Jesus is the word, became flesh, and he's preaching the word. So we may say, oh, that's right, yeah, because he defeated the devil by saying, hey, devil, it is written. It is written. It is written. They had the Torah. They had the Tanukh. And so you can say, aha, yeah, they had the Bible. They had the written word of God. But if you go all the way back to Genesis, in Genesis, Satan says, has God really said? This is before they written it down. Has God really said? Has God really said? But can I tell you, before God said it, John 1.1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So you need to understand you can't separate God from His Word. And so Jesus, Jesus comes into a time where the, the, the Pharisees had used the Word to, to bring disqualification to people the, the, the word through a religious lens just brought bondage to people. So Jesus comes saying, my God, do you realize the word said, let there be light, light was. The word said, let the waters above separate from the waters beneath, and it was so. And the word said, let dry land appear, and it was so. And the word said, let the dry ground produce, and it was so. And God said, let the trees bear fruit and bear herbs and, and flowers and fragrances, and it was so. And God said, let the seas teem with life, and it was so. And God said, let the skies be filled with birds, and it was so. And God said, let, the, let from the ground come all the beasts of the field, the elephant, the antelope, the lion, the cheetah, the tiger all the animals and it was so and then God said let us make man in our God said and it was so 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 the word always came to bring a shift the word always came to bring improvement the word always came to bring advancement the word the word came first and then life followed God said let dry ground and we know that the earth is living we know when we put a seed in the earth, the seed, a seed that looks like it's dead, there's something in the earth that causes that thing to sprout and produce. And what does it produce? It produces life. Everything in the world has, has life in it because God's spoken. And so here comes Jesus with a word. But there are spirits in this place. He, he's in a synagogue, and in the synagogue, there, there is a man with an unclean spirit. And as soon as Jesus starts teaching with authority, this thing cries out because it, it, it feels a, a collision. It feels that somebody is here to disrupt its dominion. That a new authority has entered the room. Unlike the Pharisees, the Pharisees would add to the condemnation. The Pharisees with religion would add to the justification of this man being bound, being gripped by unclean thoughts, driven by lust, driven by perversion. But Christ comes and He teaches. And this thing cries out because it recognizes that its hold is now threatened. 
It recognizes that a greater is here. Jesus said this. He said, when a strong man fully armed guards his palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he comes, he must first bind the strong man, take away the armor in which he trusted, then he's able to plunder his goods. Jesus was teaching you and I a spiritual reality. The first two letters of the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph and the Beit, or A and B, Aleph and the Beit. It's very interesting that the Aleph and the Beit, A, B, Ab, is also the, the Hebrew word for father. It's the Hebrew word for father. Ab is father. Abram, Ram is exalted. Ab, Ram is exalted father, or father exalted. The, 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 the Aleph, Beit, the Aleph is representative ox or strength. And bait is house. So in the, the Hebrew word for father, A-B, Ab, we have A, Aleph, strength, ox, and B, bait, house. So the strength of the house is the father. The, the war that we've seen in our culture, and we're going we're gonna to smash this and emerge. But the great attack from Satan is to, to, to take down our fathers take down our fathers. The, the, the biggest oppression and ceiling over the African-American community isn't white privilege. It's sons and daughters born in father absent. It's the number one contributor of poverty. It's the number one predeterminer to struggle. In fact, it's the number one determinant to low IQs. But a present father High IQ, present father, success. Present father determines whether they graduate from high school or not. Present father. Why is that? Why is that? Because Jesus showed us in the Bible that the father is the ox. He's the strength of the house. And when, when a strong man fully armed guards his house, his goods are at peace. His goods are safe. But when one comes, he must first take away the arm. The enemy knows he can't attack the, the marriage. He can't attack the wife. He can't attack the kids. He can't attack the finances. He can't attack the posterity and the future unless he gets rid of the fathers. We're determined in our generation that we're going to flip that coin. We're going to shift the dish. We're going to be raising up fathers who fight for their families, fathers who fight for their marriages, fathers who stay at post. <clears throat> let, let me just say this. I've got to stop preaching. When I graduated from Bible college, they sent me to New Zealand. I think I must have stolen a loaf of bread or something. But anyway, they sent me from Australia to, to New Zealand. And, uh, and so I got put in charge of, you know, youth. And I love being a youth pastor because you get to be naughty. When you become a senior pastor, you have to grow up. It's... Anyway, sorry, just had a moment. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so, so we decided, you know, so I got these you know, little 50 little rebel rousers and... Uh, and I think, oh, dear Jesus. And what I realized was all my, all my preaching stuff, I just threw out the window. I thought, I just got to keep, keep them from killing one another <laughs> and from destroying their lives. And so, so, so I decided, like, within a month that we're going to do a series on uh, sex and relationships. And so we called it um, Waiting, Dating, and Mating, you know. And it was in that order for a reason. And uh, anyway, and so, 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 this, so I'm, I've prepared, I've prepared all my notes. I've prepared all my notes. I'm ready. I turn up at youth group. Our youth group was called Club Adonai. We even, we even had like a little slogan, Club Adonai, for those who like the power. It was like, it was awesome. Why are you laughing? It's not, it was awesome. It was cool back then. Club Adonai. Anyway, and so, so, so I, I've, got, I've got my notes. This is, this is, 
you know, all the Bible notes on, you know, sexual purity and all, all that kind of stuff. So, so, I'm so I'm ready, I'm amped, I'm steady, I'm prayed up, I'm ready to go. As I'm preaching, as I'm preaching, I take this detour into Satanism. And I'm like, why am I talking about Satanism? And so I, I bring it all the way back. As I, you know, keep on and then, then all of a sudden I'm, I'm talking about tarot cards. I'm like, why am I talking about tarot cards? And, I'm, and so I bring it all the way, all the way back. And then, 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 then I talk about um, suicide. I'm like, why am I talking about? And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Anyway, for the next 30 minutes, I am struggling with, I keep getting led down these. I keep chasing these little white rabbits. And I'm like, I've ruined the night. I've, 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 that is the worst teaching for these young people on waiting, dating, and mating they've ever heard. Easily, easily. In fact, I'm probably going to be fired come Monday. So uh, I just said, oh, well, you know, I may as well have an altar call. And the devil's saying, no one's going to get saved. And I'm like, well, I've stopped listening to you a long time ago. So I said, every head bowed, every eye closed. Well, there, there was a kid that came in like halfway through the worship. He came in and he sat up the back. And when I gave the appeal for the altar call, he was the, the, the first hand to go up. Just young kid, about 19 years of age. Anyway, he comes down and, and, uh, and I start praying for him and he's like freaking out. He's looking around because it's his first time in church. And, uh, and then all of a sudden he starts growling and I realize something's going on. There's a few other people that have gotten saved. And I'm like, so I said to my associate guy, I said, listen, take him up into my office and, uh, and keep him there while I just quickly pray for these, get other people because it's all new. And then I, I, I run up and I, I get in there and I walk in with my Bible. And he looks at me and he says, get that blanking book away from me. And so I got my Bible. I said, oh, this book? You don't like this one? And so I stood up against the door. Said, let me read some to you. He's, he is so heavily demonized. He is cussing. He is... He goes in the, in the fetal position and then I just start casting all these demons out of him. What had happened was when he was a young boy, 10 years of age, his mum and dad divorced and his, his father would take him to cricket, which is kind of like maybe similar to baseball. And, uh, and when he was at the, at the cricket game, a guy hit the ball and he was in the, the outfield to catch and the ball came and he and dropped it. And he went, ah, oh, you know, they kept making runs. And after the game, his father had a cricket ball in his hand. And he grabbed the cricket ball and he threw it and he hit this young man right in the chest and broke two of his ribs. And the father said, you're walking home. I'm so ashamed of you. He went into the restroom crying because he could hardly breathe a cricket ball is even harder than a, than a um, baseball. While he's in the restroom, there was a sexual predator, a pedophile in the restroom that then raped him. He was only 10 years of age. So he turned into Satanism and the occult, trying to find power, trying to find an escape, trying to find, was reading tarot cards, was into kind of all, all this weird stuff. The night that we had youth group, he was on his way to jump off a bridge. He didn't want to live anymore. He was 18. He wanted, he wanted to jump off a bridge. And as he's walking to jump off a bridge, he didn't want to live anymore. 
he hears this music and then a voice says to him, follow the music. And he's like, but the bridge that I'm jumping off is this way into the Manukau Harbor. And the voice says, follow the music. And he realizes to turn left and he thinks, well, I can go down there and then I'll just go the back way and I'll still get to the bridge. When he gets there and our church was back then was in an industrial park. And he's like looking at this warehouse and there's a, like a, you know, a car body shop next door, body repair shop next door and a steel shop next door. And, and he hears the music and then the voice says, go inside. He goes inside. He's never been to church. Comes in and he sits up the back. And as I'm preaching, he says, there's this war going on. This one voice is saying, listen to what he's saying. And this other voice is saying, get out of here, run, run. Go and jump off the bridge, jump off the bridge, go and jump off. And this war was going on. He ended up becoming one of our great leaders. He had an anointing that could pray and he would pray for people and they get healed and they get delivered. But we, he, he almost died that night because there are demon forces and demon spirits. I want you to know that, that we don't do church on Sunday because, you know, we kind of thought, you know, we should do something for the religious community. We do church on Sunday because the war is real. We do church on Sunday because in 2020, wicked leadership shut down the church, says church, churches are going to remain closed. And in your isolation and in your depression and in watching your businesses and contracts get canceled, you can't go to the house of God. But you know what? We're going to open here. We're going to open the casino. You can come and gamble and get yourself deeper into debt. We're going to open the strip club. We're going to open the marijuana dispensaries. We're going to open the liquor store. We're going to open all the things that the demons use to destroy lives. But we're going to shut down. So we just made a decision. We just made a decision. You don't, you don't shut a hospital in a time of war. How many people have ever heard that the church isn't a hotel for saints? Come on, somebody. It's a hospital for sinners. It's not just a hospital for sinners. It's a hospital for the broken. It's a hospital for the lost. It's a hospital for the destitute. It's a hospital for the addicted. And I want you to know tonight, there is a power present to break chains. There is a power present to deliver you from fear. Let me finish on this because I want to open up the altar and we're going to have the, the team come and pray and the, the band's going to play behind me. Uh, I, I got saved at 18 years of age and uh, it was so funny. Sitting in church and, and the church that I went to, Wollongong Church of Christ, where I met my beautiful Liani, but this is before I met my Liani, had, it, it was so packed. It was so packed on a Sunday that they, they knocked out the wall behind the stage and they put kind of overflow seating at the back. And if you got there late or you're running late, that's, that's the only place you could sit. Well, I'm sitting about here where, where uh, Pastor Mike Yeager's sitting and, and all the way through the service, you know, I'm looking at the stage and there's some guy, but you know, because the lights are coming down this way, I could just, I could just feel like there was a, this older man just kind of staring at me. And I'm thinking... Why would he be staring? I mean, anyway, the service finishes, service finishes, and he comes bolting across, and he goes, Matthias, 
what are you doing here? And I look up and I realize it's Mr. Dixon, my, my, my high school principal. And, I, and I'm just shocked because I wasn't expecting to see my high school principal in church. And, and I'm sitting there like this. And he goes, Matthias, I asked you a question. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And then in my head, I'm like, quick, quick, make up a lie, make up a lie. And then the other part of my brain's like, you don't need to make up a lie. Like you're saved now, you're in church. And this part of my brain's like, shut up, you'll never believe it, lie. And, and, I'm, and he's like, I asked you a question. I'm like, oh, I got saved. He goes, no, you didn't. Why are you here? I'm like, No, no, fair dinkum, I got saved. And he sits down next to me, he goes, and he's just staring straight ahead. And he's just like, no. No, not you, Matesius. I didn't realize it was that, but I was a little bit of a rat bag in high school. And uh, I did give him a little bit of a hard time, poor old Mr. Dixon. But anyway, a few years later, I'm preaching in a place and his daughter gets saved when I was preaching. So that was kind of good. But anyway, about, about a few weeks after that, a few weeks after that, I'm hardly ever with you, so I just thought I'd tell, some, tell a story. All right. So, all right, I promise I'm finishing now. I promise I'm finishing now. So, so a few weeks after that, a few weeks after that, um, we would always finish church where the pastor, we would always finish with communion. And the pastor would say, okay, we're going to finish and we're going to distribute all the emblems since you had the bread and the wine. And, uh, and then we would all stand and, and, uh, and then we would sing, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. And we sing this beautiful song. Anyway, the person who was leading the communion said, Hey, I want you to take the, the emblems, the bread and the, you know, the little juice cup. He says, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine Jesus on the cross. And I'm thinking, you know, yeah, that's appropriate. I've got the, you know, the, the body and the blood. And so I close my eyes to see Jesus on the cross. And instead of seeing Jesus on the cross, I see the most vivid and disgusting pornographic pictures. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And it was so abrasive. I'm like, everyone else must have seen it that I've seen it. And then I realized it was only in my mind. I'm like, oh, you know, man, not here, not now. Like, this is a holy moment. So I close my eyes again because they're like, you know, and everyone else is like, you know, seeing Jesus. And so I want to see Jesus. And so I close my eyes again. And the most, again, the most vile, vivid, and I'm like, it, like it ruined communion. About a month after that, I get invited to a prayer meeting. And I go to this prayer meeting and it's up on a hill. So I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling with this stuff from the past. I have no idea that I'm saved. I am saved. I know I'm saved, but I have no idea that even though you're saved, the devil still has some handles trying to pull you back into stuff that you've walked out of. And so I go to this prayer meeting and I'm at this prayer meeting and, uh, and the pastor stops. He says, you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I said, well, I've been water baptized. He says, not what I'm talking about. He goes, I'm talking about baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they lay hands on me and they pray for me. I hit the deck, no catches. On concrete, that's when you know it's legit. There was no courtesy fall. There was no... Oh, you got me? Okay. I'm testing. Oh, I feel your hands on my back. You know, there was none of that. He's praying the next time. Something hits me in the back. I'm like, what the... And I look and I'm on, lying on the ground, on the concrete. 
But true story, as, as they're, they're praying over me, I feel something in here just go all the way up my esophagus. I feel just this moment of like this anger. And then I feel this, ah, freedom. And then all of a sudden, I start speaking these most beautiful, most beautiful languages. And as I'm, I'm, and then this this beautiful American woman that must have been out. I was like, one day you're going to be in America. She leans over and she goes, "You speak in tongues, honey." And uh, and I wanted to tell her, you know, I don't know how, but out of my mouth, I'm just like, sobra. And she goes, "He's got it. Pray the Lord. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it." I lay there for about maybe 30 minutes, just praying in these languages I've never learned. And then this an elderly couple who was the, the pastor's parents who were visiting from America. They were in their like late 70s. They're like, let us help you up, son. I'm like, I'm young, you're old, I'll help myself. Well, I fell because I couldn't stand. And they, so they had to hold me. I had one arm around him, one arm around his wife. And because I couldn't stop laughing. I'm not sure if you ever saw the, the cartoon, this is going to date me, Felix the Cat. And it goes, Felix the Cat, the wonderful, wonderful cat. You laugh so much, your sides are like, your heart will go bit about watching me. Well, I was laughing so hard, my sides were aching, and I was trying to stop, and I could not stop laughing. And so the pastor then grabs my car keys and says, you're not driving home. And he got my friend Mike Stewart to drive my car home. And I'm like, I haven't touched any liquor, but I'm laying on the back seat in... What can only be described as, and you know, when, when, when they're like, they're full of new wine, Acts chapter 2, and Peter says, we're not drunk as you suppose. He's like, yeah, we are drunk, but just not on, outward, on the Holy Ghost. I was drunk on the Holy Spirit. I was so filled with the Holy Spirit, so overflowing with the Holy Spirit, that literally somebody else drove my car. I'm just on the back seat laughing. and The joy, joy because of all this rejection, all this pain, all this, the, 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 the demons that had gripped my life, because when the Holy Ghost comes in, you better believe it. Like he, he is more tenacious than my mother-in-law. I mean, my mother-in-law comes in. I can't find nothing in the kitchen anymore. Gladys, I, my mother-in-law, she's just visiting. And the next time I'm like, where's the, oh, I moved that, love. Why would you, it's not even your house. Well, the Holy Ghost is the same thing. When he comes in, he grabs demons and you start, he just starts... Just let him do it, because you like the new order. You like where he puts things. You like where he puts stuff. And I found that there was just joy and freedom. Up until that time, I had like I would, I, you know, I knew that I needed to be a good Christian, so I would, you know, knew that a good Christian reads his Bible every day, and, uh, and so I bought a daily bread, daily bread. And I, and if I was honest with you, I'd be like looking to see how many pages it was. Oh. Three, oh, it's going to be a long day. And, you know, and I try and get, and then when I, but when I'm finished, I'm like, yes, I'm, uh, did you have your quiet time today? Oh, you didn't. Yeah. I did. I read my daily bread. You see, see what's happening here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you may want to come to me for prayer or counseling or advice because, but if I was honest with you, it was a chore. Now that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I get home and I open the Bible for the next three hours. The only way I can describe it was like the words were swimming on the page. 
and, and stuff was like jumping out. I've never seen that before. My God. The whole Bible came alive. Christianity came alive. Prayer came alive. The spirit realm opened up. There is a spiritual dimension. There is a devil that destroys. And there's a Christ who atones and delivers. There's a power present here. So I want all the leaders to come come forward right now. Come on, what do we stand to our feet? And if you've got any area of your life, it can be fear. It can be anxiety. Now listen, the Bible says that Jesus laid hands. They brought all the sick to Jesus. And many of those with sickness, the sickness was caused by demons. Can I tell you one more story? Okay, oh, only a few of you said yes. No. This is a true story. So I'm in Bible college and I get invited to speak at a youth camp. Now I said the A word, I didn't realize it was a bad word because I was talking to these young teenagers about heroes and I'm like, you know, you know, Arnold, Arnold Station Wagon, he's the hero, you know, and then I'm, you know, my Sylvester Stallone. I'm doing all of these and Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, and, like, and, you know these are all, and they're all cheering for their heroes. My hero kicks all their A word. And then these kids are like, and then one of the kids was a pastor's kid and he, and he told the youth pastor that I was cussing. I said, I was cussing? I never said F. He goes, no, no, the A word. I'm like, oh, come on. I can't even say that anymore. He goes, not if you want to be a Christian. I'm like, gosh. Anyway, so... So I finished preaching, I'm all depressed, and, and there's a lady in the kitchen, she's cooking in the kitchen. She's cooking lunch in the kitchen, and, and you know, I'm a Bible college student, so I'm always hungry, and I could smell Jose in the kitchen. She's cooking, I think it was like a big spaghetti pot of spaghetti bolognese, and I thought, I'll go in there and say hello. Maybe she'll give me like a little sample, you know, because it's still like an hour till lunch. And so anyway, so I walk in, and she's standing at the, at the pot, and I notice that she's got um, two, silver uh, aluminum things with you know with around her wrist and she's leaning on one as she's kind of stirring on the other and so so i walk up and i just felt the holy spirit say just put your arm around her and and bless her i thought okay it's a little bit awkward she's kind of stirring and i put my arm around and said oh that smells really nice she goes oh thank you and the holy spirit says pray for her i'm like ah it's not awkward it's awkward he's like no, no pray for her i'm like oh i don't even know her He's like, pray for her. I'm like, okay. So do you mind if I pray for you? She goes, yeah, that'd be great. And so I start praying for her. And now how many people here have been taught that when you pray, you know, it's kind of courtesy to God. You, you close your eyes, no peeking. You know, you close your eyes when you pray, but, you know, and that's like wrong. That's like almost like a sin. You know, so, so I've got my eyes closed and I'm praying. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit says, uh, I, so anyway, so I'm praying for her. And I said, you know, Father, in the name of Jesus, I said, you know, and Lord, I just pray, Lord Jesus. And Jesus, I ask that you. And every time I said, Jesus, you do this. So now I'm starting to cheat. I'm like, Jesus. And I just, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And I'm like, something's going on. Like, I mean, I'm telling you, the powers of perception. I'm like, something's going on here. I said, Jesus, and she shakes again. And then she turns at me and she starts growling like a dog. Then I realize this is no longer the woman I'm dealing with. Something else is going on. So 
I said, in the name of Jesus, like I just thought there's authority, in the name of Jesus, come out. Well, she hits the deck and I'm like, oh, and she's still, you know, got the, those things around her wrist with the silver poles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've broken her back. Because again, there was no catcher. And she's like, and all these demons and they're yelling, they're F-bombing and they're cursing me. And so, you know, and you know, one of them spat at me. And so I thought, right, you don't spit it. And so I'm like, come out. And so I'm casting all these demons out. Well, anyway, they came to check on the food and I'm casting all these demons out of the cook. And the, 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 the spaghetti bolognese is the bottom of it's burning. And, uh, you know, so they had to get people in to stir while I'm casting all these demons out. Anyway, I've got to finish. I know I've got to finish. It's very naughty. But, but I, I get all these demons out of her. And then she sits up and she starts crying. She'd been through a horrific divorce. She was married to a man who was violently abusive to her and just would, would take great delight in humiliating her, made her do all these things that were incredibly violent, humiliating. She lived with all this trauma. She lived with all these demons. True story. She gets up off the floor and she starts going, she goes, oh my God, oh my God. And she throws she goes, I'm healed. And starts running around the camp. Starts running around the campsite. She had demons and the demons were crippling. She had this degenerative back disease. The doctor said that, you know, she's on these crutches now, but she'd end up in a wheelchair. That she would lose her motor from the, the, the waist down. But in one moment, when all the demons came out, freedom came. Healing came. Do not allow a devil, no matter what they tell you, no matter what they lie to you, no matter what they say, don't live with one. I know there are coexist stickers, and if you go and tear it off, you can't. We don't coexist with demons. We kick them to the curb. Kick them to the curb. Don't give them a foothold. Don't give them a stronghold. Don't give them any angle. Come on, I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for these warrior leaders right now. But Father, I thank you for this congregation. And devil, tonight we serve notice on you. We declare in this house that this house tonight is a house of freedom. I come against every unclean spirit. I come against every demonic spirit, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of depression, every spirit of addiction, every spirit of lust, every spirit of pornography, every spirit of anger, every spirit of violence, every spirit of self-loathing, every spirit of rejection, every spirit of death and every spirit of infirmity. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare tonight that there is one more powerful than you here. His name is Yeshua HaMashiach. His name is Jesus the Christ. And I declare you get off these people. You get off their minds. You get off their bodies. You get off their souls. You get off their lives right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for freedom tonight in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, I want you to come. Don't hesitate. Come. Come strong. Say, I ain't living with this stuff no more. I ain't living with that fear no more. I ain't living with that anxiety no more. I'm not living with that addiction no more. I ain't living with that self-hate no more. I ain't living with that cunning no more. I'm not living with that depression no more. Don't leave the same way you Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.